welcome to Up To and Including Death. I'm Dr. Patricia Brewer. I'm John Brewer. And we're here with our special guests for two weeks in a row. What's up, Brother Steve? Yay! <laughs> this is my brother, Stephen Gross, uh, and he is here to join with us well, on this most blessed occasion in which we are watching my, I think it's pretty much my favorite movie of all time, and it's Shaun of the Dead. Blessed be its name. Blessed be its name. <laughs> the greater good. That's not Shaun of the Dead, but it's pretty cl- It's pretty close. I'm so excited to be watching Shaun of the Dead with you guys. Yeah, this is one you've been looking forward to. It's my favorite movie. Um, I've got a lot of stories about it, but uh, I want to hear from you guys. Do I. Yeah, so let's start with you, John. I know you've seen it, but let me let me hear the context of when you saw it. I don't remember. Seen it once or twice. Came out in 2004. Yeah, I would have seen it. It wasn't in the theaters or anything, but it would have been like when it came to HBO or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Steve? I was actually told about it by... I was on an internet group that was a a chat group for zombies. Oh. Like zombie movies. And there was a rumor of a zombie movie coming out of England. And it was going to be released in the United States, but it was going to be a limited release. And I was in Savannah at the time. This is before I moved back up to Atlanta. And it wasn't going to be released in Savannah, but it was going to be released in Atlanta at like one or two uh, places. Mm -hmm. And I went, bought a ticket opening night, saw it then. And then saw it the next day, saw it the next day. (laughs) Like I would, I would just grab friends like yeah see this movie with me so that is awesome and i love that you love this movie um we'll be talking a lot more about why we love this movie john's gonna have to learn how to love it i liked it okay so when i saw this i saw this movie for the first time outside and if so john and steven know this about me john's been trying to fix me on this but being outside was never, like, my thing. And so, oh, like, yeah. but I would try to do these, like, so at Emory when I went to college, um, you know, you do these, like, activities to try to be social. And I never just realized that I just wasn't the most outdoor activity social person. Like, now when we hang yeah. out outside, it's just, like, us in the backyard, us camping. It's not, like, a big thing. Um, but, like, but back then I would try to go do these outdoor things. And so I went uh, to an outdoor sewing of Shaun of the Dead in 2007, my graduation year, I guess, because by then they'd gotten some rights to it. Um, and I was very excited to be able to, to see that movie in person. But what happened was that, that year, because I'd seen it, I bought it on DVD on a whim, and I kind of liked it the first time I saw it, but quite frankly, I was hot and uncomfortable and thinking about that the whole time. But I bought it on DVD, and I brought that DVD with me to Japan, because I didn't own that many DVDs. And I then watched this movie over and over and over again. I would go, I'd go to work, and I'd go see my friends, I'd come home, and Shaun of the Dead would just, I'd turn it on. On my computer, I didn't. I never watched Japanese television um, when I was there, except to be like, "Oh, that's interesting," and then I'd watch Shaun of the Dead um, over and over again. I've seen every special feature on this disc about. Well, I can't even say how many dozens of times. Um, I then later, when I got into grad school, I bought Hot Fuzz, and I then oh, yeah. watched 
hot fuzz over and over again with, and I've listened to all the commentaries and cast commentaries and things right. like that. Um, so much so that John got me for Christmas, Steve, for you to be jealous of the first edition of this book. You've got red on you oh. and it's how Shaun of the dead was brought to life by Clark Collins. But of course, working with Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. So, I'm very excited about it, uh, about reading this. I didn't read it for this, but see the spine? It's like red yeah. foil. He got it like when it first counts. It's the first printing of this really amazing book. I'm very excited. Clark Collins. But, um, and so that was my first. So that's the many, many times I saw it, right? And then I have to share this other story before we talk about anything about the movie. But when I was in Philadelphia, I went to another live screening of Shaun of the Dead at a place called The Oval, which is right in front of the, um, the Oval is right in front of the uh, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, the Rocky Steps at the Art Museum. And so they do these like, they do these like movie showings in the summertime, at least they did before it was COVID. And at the time, uh, there was a, like to, I guess, promote people going outdoors. It's a free event. Um, They wanted to get people excited about it. So they did a costume contest. Uh, at this this showing, and I of course had gotten there very early because I wanted good seats. Um, but they mm-hmm. did a costume contest where if you had the best costume, you got free tickets to go see Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was there were thousand people or some like a huge amount of people there, and I was yeah. with some friends, and my friends were like, "You could just go up there." I was not wearing a costume. But I was there. They were like, you could just stand like a zombie, and you might be able to get, to sneak in. So I went up there with everybody else, and the trick was everybody up there got to have tickets, right? So we got this thing that was like free tickets to showing of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and then the new movie World's End with a special right. panel with Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. What? Um, Nick Frost, I don't think... Well, yeah, they were, all three of them were there. And so they were there at the panel in, like, spitting distance. Um, did not like its the, the World's End, uh, to be honest. And the fact that I saw it right after seeing Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and then I was like, ooh... Not as into it, but no. But I think now that I've seen a lot more of uh, Body Snatchers movies, I I might appreciate it more. Um, But but, uh, so yeah, so those are my big outdoor scenes of this movie. But let's hear a little bit more actual information. I did some. I did a little bit of the research today. Yeah, this is your special. (sighs) I love it so much. Well, first off, before we say anything about Shaun of the Dead. You know, okay, it made a lifetime gross in America in the United States at thirteen million ish, right? Twelve million ish in the UK, and which is the America and the UK is the highest gross. But what was really interesting to me was that in Latin America, it had one release that was in Argentina, and it earned one dollar. I don't know how it's possible. Who wins? <laughs> it's. It was in a dollar store. It was in a dollar theater, and one guy showed up. Or girl. Um, and so, it was a guy. You know it was a guy. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> the, I, the, the wonderful thing about this movie is that it is a cosmic gumbo. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. So, you know what you said on set? It's a cosmic gumbo. This is, I think we should leave. I think you should leave reference that John's been really into right now. His uh, current beer that he's brewing is going to call a cosmic gumbo. I, th- I think it should be just for farts. That's going to be a later one. <laughs> okay. So, Shaun of the Dead 
has on IMDb a ranking of 7.9 out of 10, which puts it pretty high up there for other horror movies. That's its yeah. ranking across all movies. All movies, it's 1,001 most popular movie, right? Cool. Um, so, but if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, something interesting happens. So the last movie we just watched had in like a 92% like critic yeah. meter, right? But a 70% audience score, that usually happens. This, on Shaun of the Dead on Rotten Tomatoes, 214 reviews um, from critics, 92%, right? 250,000-plus ratings from viewers of the movie, from the audience, 93%. Yeah. Wow. With 250,000 reviews. It is a popular movie. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of a perfect movie. I think Hot Fuzz is more of a more perfectly done but I love Shaun of the Dead the best. To um, the truth, I enjoyed Shaun of the Dead more than I enjoyed Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I, I mean, still like Hot Fuzz, but I thought Shaun of the Dead was uh, just more up my alley, I guess. Yeah, I think because like loving horror movies, I think the biggest thing with in, watching any of the Cornetto trilogy is what they're called because they eat a Cornetto like cone in each of them. Um, yeah. Though you only get like a, a quick passing reference to a Cornetto in the last one. Um, but in this Cornetto, tr- Cornetto trilogy, it's their love story to different genres, right? right? And so they have the, this, this movie is not a satire at all. I wouldn't say this movie is a straight up horror movie. It's a zombie rom-com and yeah. it is, so nothing about this, even though it's a comedy and a romance, well, it's, an homage. it's an homage, but it's not. Yeah. It knows exactly what it is, and it knows where you know where it's like coming from. Yeah. And I think the same thing for Hot Fuzz, where it's they do this homage to, I don't know, like a very particular type of uh, of uh, cop movie, uh, mm-hmm. with a very sinister element to it. Uh, and then the same thing with the World's End, which I just didn't, because I didn't know a lot about that particular genre. That was sci-fi, right? Yeah, it's sci-fi, and while I like sci-fi. The Stepford Wise Body Snatcher Alien thing was not as yeah. something that was as interesting to me. But now that I'm I've been rewatch it. I, I don't really remember much about it. Yeah. Well we could rewatch it yeah. on the podcast in, in a little while. Okay. Um Okay, so now Okay, Shaun of the Dead came out in two thousand four. It had a very low budget, and the uh the little blurb for this is the uneventful aimless lies of a London electronic salesman and his layabout roommate are disrupted by the zombie apocalypse. And I think it's a great summary. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be hard to have a single sentence include everything, but I do wish that the romance element was um, the fact that he's a layabout, but does that really enco- encompass what a terrible boyfriend he was or terrible <laughs> son? Like this guy who's like um, that failure to launch itis kind of thing. Um yeah. Yeah, so it's like he he means well, but he doesn't do anything. Uh, so I'm just so much looking forward to seeing this, uh, seeing this today. Okay, so that's the summary. Do you know what it's about, Steve? Are we good on the summary? So of course, yeah, I'm caught up. Yeah, caught up. Of course, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost play Sean and Ed. Uh, these are a very popular duo. I really like the movie Paul that they're in. Um, because it's a, yeah. it's a type of alien movie that I like and it does a good job. It's not one of the Cornetto trilogies, but it's pretty close. Kate Ashfield plays Liz, the girlfriend. We've got Lucy Davis as Diane, Dylan Morin as David. 
And so it's, I mean, and then of course, a lot of people that will recognize, including friends from, um, like his friend from, um, what's the one about roommates, the TV show that they're in, Steve? Ah, Beans. The famous... Spaced. Simon Pegg? Yeah, so, yeah, so Spaced, like, Simon Pegg's um, co-star in Spaced, who is also in the movie as, like, a kind of, um, a kind of homage to... This movie is based off an episode of Spaced. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and so it's, it's just so good. It's so good. But, so, let's look at some reviews, and then we're going to look at the parents' guide. So I want to make sure that John's okay with seeing this again. Yeah. So let's see. We've got a lot of tomatoes. I realized we didn't read any rotten tomatoes last time because they're. I guess it's so high up. Yeah, there was only one, I think, and it was yeah. just a basic like so. Thing. 196 fresh reviews, and if we go to let's see a good one, the AV Club. I like that particular group. Okay. Mixing horror and humor is no mean feat, but the Shaun of the Dead uh, tightens throats in fear without making the laugh stick there in the process. That's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, we've got the, the AP, Associated Press, the pasty, scruffy peg shows a surprising amount of... Whoa! <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Loki does not like... Loki does not like people talking bad about Simon Pegg. Loki you have to leave that, from yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's my pasty ginger is, like, not happy. Loki's a ginger. Okay, so Peg shows a surprising amount of range for the unlikely hero of a zombie flick. Okay, so we've got, we got, that's, uh, that's some... Do you want to try to find a rotten? Good. Well, like, there's a thing, there's a tab on the top where you can just click on the rotten. There's only one top critic with a rotten score. Okay, so this would be Claudia Polge. The movie bogs down and the humor seems to dry up, though the blood continues to well, spurt, and spew. 2.5 out of 4. Pretty oh. sure we didn't watch the same movie. No, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those people that's like, British humor is so impossible to understand. And I'm like, it's not even that. Like, they're kind of toning it down, <laughs> you know, for British yeah. humor. Okay, so now, now that we've done this, we have to tell John and Steve if they're allowed to do it. And I think I've actually clicked off. No, here it is. Okay, so let's look at what everyone has come to this for, which is to figure out if it's appropriate for them to show Shaun of the Dead to their children. <laughs> um, so it's mild sex and nudity. A man, turns, a man turns into a zombie while in the shower. He walks out and around town naked, but no nudity is shown. But I do think oh, you get to see his butt. No sex or nudity, mild sex jokes. A man jokes with another man by saying he's attracted to the other man's mother. Not graphic, meant to be funny. Almost <laughs> touchy. The, a main character wears a shirt that says, I got wood throughout the film. I was wondering if that was going to make it. Violence and gore, severe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so I'm not good. So, zombies wow. spread the infection by biting living humans. Many bites this, are shown. This might be the longest list of yeah. violence and gore. Frequent. How odd. Well, there's 250,000 audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes, ah. so I imagine that might have to do it. I know, but I don't think Saw had this many lists. Two men throw an assortment of household oh. items at two approaching zombies. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> kill the queen triggered by that. a man is graphically bitten in the neck and it's like yeah a good dude's dismembered in it oh a man is dismembered by a crowd of zombies bloody yeah. 
gets dismembered too. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. Um, okay, so profanity, John. I like it when you read this one. So would you please uh, oh, read it for I me? I like this one. This one yes. has a lot of forty-eight uses of fuck. Yeah. One use of cunt. <gasps> well, it's British. Seven uses of shit. Seven uses of prick. Two uses of ass. Three uses of twat. Two uses of wanker and five uses of hell. Wow, it's an interesting breakdown. Yeah, they went for the home run on the fuck. I think the most unbelievable part of that breakdown is in that movie, those British bastards only used the word cunt. Yeah. (laughs) They must have been aiming at the U.S. audience and like, we got to say it once. My, um, I had spent so much time like talking with my British and Australian friends when I lived in Japan about why I didn't like them using the C word around me. And quite frankly, like growing up, that was such a bad word that I did not hear it spoken out loud until I saw the TV show Sex in the City. Like that was so never spoken of. I was very, you know, I was sheltered. So the N word is used by, um, by a white man, um, very ridiculously. And then someone just puts down, under profanity severe, everything. <laughs> it's all profane. <laughs> I mean, alcohol drugs. fucking Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Many scenes take yes. place in a pub. A pub. A man says that his friend sells a little bit of weed every now and again. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, it's I'm like... I'm so excited to see this movie again. Cigarettes are emphasized one. and glorified somewhat due to the context in which they are used. Um, <laughs> this film is, this is under frightening and, in, frightening and intense scenes, only moderate. This film is brutal and gory in comparison to Edgar Wright's later films. It's like, yeah, it's a zombie, zombie movie. movie. It's a brutal comedy film. It's a, it's a brutal comedy film. The violence and gore is frequent and dark, and its impact is significantly strong despite the overall comedic tone of the film. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> I love it. I'm so happy. And the the crying of the dog, I think, is telling us that it's probably time to pause and get started in watching the movie. You got red on you. Yeah. So we have paused at the iconic statement in the movie in which uh, Sean is at work and he's got a red pin in his uh, shirt pocket that has bled. Which stays on his shirt the entire movie. Fantastically. Yeah. He's got red on him. Um, so in this, so as we're watching this, I don't even know because I feel like I'm coming to the party with so much background information that I want to share it all. But at the same time, I don't think that makes for good podcasting. To share it at the parts that... Um, you got to be selective. We pause at. Yes, like, I'm going to share it at the parts where we pause it. Well, basically, Sean is 29. And he is uh, kind of, it starts off with this really amazing scene at, uh, at, a, at a bar, the Winchester, a pub, in which uh, they, he takes his girlfriend there all the time. And his girlfriend's trying to explain, like, we've got to do something besides go, like, die in this pub. I hate this. And uh, we get to introduce to some of the important characters, which include Ed, uh, his best friend, Simon, uh, um, Sean's best friend, as well as the roommates of, uh, of What's-Her-Face, of the girlfriend. Right? Yeah. And so, and then later on, we go to uh, Simon's house, or I keep saying Simon, Sean's house, and it's a flat share, which is common in London, uh, and he shares it with his uh, his friend Ed, but also with 
his uh, Nigel is that his name? Uh, his uh, like old friend from college who yeah. wants to kick Ed out because Ed is just a drug dealer and doesn't bring any money into the flat. Yeah, he's the one I relate to the most so far. Yeah, just like what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, just no flat shares duplexes basically. Well, no, I mean like there's a flat. Stones. Like, a flat's an apartment, but basically what they're in is in a house. Um, and it's actually pretty common th- where, like, landlords basically buy up houses and then they split it up to where each room is individually rented. So they right. might rent the house together or they might each rent a room in the house from the landlord. Um, in this case, oh, it kind of wow. sounds like they've rented this house and they've probably been in this stinky house for a long time. Yeah, because he's been living, they've been living together for at least five years. Yes, and so probably since college. Because he said that's the last time he was funny. Yeah, so uh, I imagine that it's probably been a decade, maybe not necessarily just in that house, that the house is pretty grungy. Um, And so as you go, as as Sean goes to work, you pass by a lot of things, you see a lot of things that are going to be directly related to the following scene for the next day when he goes to work again. Um, and zombie apocalypse has happened. Is that a good summary? Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to hold myself. What do you guys do? Is there anything you'd like to add? No, I don't have anything to uh, add yet, I don't think. Well, there's a lot of, uh, it, the subplot of this movie is that Sean is so oblivious to his surroundings that he's missing the warning signs. Like the newspapers yes. that talk about the crop circles. There was the uh, radio announcer talking about uh, an American satellite has returned from a deep uh, space probe. Yes. Uh, there was the woman that collapsed on the way yes. to the, uh, while he was on the bus. So he's like oblivious to all. And that plays in heavily into the next day as well. Well, and that's also his entire life that he has to, his big plot, like he has to go through himself is that he's kind of been oblivious in his relationship with his, everyone in his life. Yeah. Where, He's just been kind of concerned about everything. He's just basically been rolling for nine years the same as he's always been. So is it a metaphor that he is the zombie? Oh, interesting. Yeah, that was actually one of the points that they were making. Yeah, like he has to like wake up basically to not necessarily even in the in the masculine sense of be a man, but like to be a real human, to be a person. Yeah. Because he's not, he's just like being a child. And we all know he's children not really are not people. <laughs> he's not He's not really alive. He might as well be undead as like, yeah. you know, the point of the, Also, every zombie that will encounter, like every personal zombie that he encounters after has been shown yes. up until the scene that we're at now. Yes. Like when he's at the store. The man that was in the, uh, I guess he was off to a wedding. Yeah, in the convenience store, we see him with his arm. So, in uh, as we're gonna find out soon enough, like they actually use amputees in the um, in the yeah. uh, creation of this movie, and uh, to make the S- the um, the SFX is that what it's called, Steve? SFX. Like, special effects. Yeah, sure. it's, yeah, it's like not just special <laughs> effects, practical but practical effects. Practical effects. It's to make it easier because it's easier to show dangling arms and things like that. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. We're about to watch uh, Sean answer the phone, and from and his wife, his girlfriend's calling, and he's pretending like he understands what she's saying, and she's saying, "Did you get the reservation for the restaurant?" And he has not. Okay, but. It's so good! 
good. <laughs> it's four in the fucking morning. Yeah, a lot of they weren't. It's Saturday. About the fuck no, it's, it's fucking, fucking Saturday. I gotta be with work in four hours. Everybody in my department has called it fucking hell. And he got bit by a crackhead on the way home from uh, from work. He got mugged. Yeah, that happens. So, obviously, Sean got broken up with because he did not get the reservations like he should have. Um, everywhere is busy. And uh, there's just a lot of people that aren't answering the phones. And when Sean goes to talk to Liz and they're arguing in the apartment... The background, there's a television that has, like, you know, breaking news story on it. And nothing, no one's paying attention to any of this. They're all just a part of their own drama. David, the roommate, is a total shithead that is in love with with Liz. Liz, The now ex-girlfriend. But David has a girlfriend. And the look on her face, because she knows that her boyfriend's in love with Liz. Yeah. It's just so, like, a kicked puppy. (laughs) It's so sad, but uh, we've uh, we've gotten super drunk at the Winchester. Sounds fun. And we learned a lot about each of the people that were drinkers there, which we're going to find later when they become zombies. Is it named after the family from Supernatural? No, but that's part of why I love it. Uh, there's a Winchester gun over the bar, uh, and you'll find that's important for later as well. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, lots of really good times. We get to see a zomb- someone eat someone's head off. But, you know, Ed and Sean miss it because they're drunk. And they see a zombie in the background, and they're, like, they're singing with it. And um, yeah. Ed has left the front door open again. Because that's one of the things is he always leaves the front door wide open. Why? I know, but you say that. And yet in this house. No. I don't know. I see some wild stuff when I go downstairs. Um, was that about summarize it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, you were saying some interesting things about like the British everyman character. Do you want to share that with the people, Steve? Yeah, well, it wasn't really. It was a British comedian um, that I was. He, he was really talking about the uh, British comedy versus American comedy, and it's, it, and the British comedy is more like the doormat everyman guy, the guy that gets walked all over and like. It's funny, mm-hmm. them. but in America, it is hard to watch that. We prefer our every man to overcome, adapt and overcome. But also like, to start to out forward. at a strong place. Like, so maybe his, like yeah. the every man in this case would be like a great guy and his girlfriend left him for no reason. And, or right. even like, if you think about, um, die hard, right. Where his wife has left him probably because he's an asshole that doesn't ever put the family yeah. first. Right. And so yeah. like this and but he's not dumpy. He's not a doormat. But yeah. he is in a, a relationship that's failing. Yeah. Like we require our every man to adapt and, you know, beat whoever is trying to, you know, walk all over them eventually yeah. at some point. And it's you know, I think British comedy, uh, sometimes it's harder to watch that. Uh, because you're kind of waiting for yeah. this guy to, you know, rise up and like, like the uh, scene in the uh, his appliance store. The, mm-hmm. the Simon Pegg's character Sean has a job as a uh, appliance salesman, and there is a 19 year old in there who's just being 
17, where he's just being the biggest dick to him. Yeah. And so you're watching this kind of in the back of your head. You're just kind of waiting for Simon's Peg, Simon Pegg's character to, like, at some point in the movie, hit him in the mouth. Yeah, do Cause something. Because in America, here, you would see that at some point. There would yeah. be some resolution to that conflict. Well, and the but, resolution to this is that he becomes a zombie cart pusher. Right, that's yeah. that's the resolution. I don't think we see him again for the rest of the film. No, you don't. And it's, indir- it's an indirect resolution because it yeah. doesn't really have any resolution for Sean. Yeah. And you know, and you're kind of you're, you know you're watching the movie through. You're putting yourself in Sean well, as you know your best. Yeah, but I also think that that kind of goes to show that it it's not about the guy being a dick. It's about Sean needing to grow up right and so the fact is that like it didn't matter with the 17 year old being a dick he could have called him out for it but he doesn't do it because he's not himself like he wants to be cool to this guy he wants to be like i was seven i was your age once he wants to be liked yeah he wants to be liked but he also has never kind of gone the next step into adulthood which i think we're gonna learn but and i'm not this isn't a critique of British comedy. No, this is uh, I different. like British comedy just fine. It's just I was just commenting on the differences, you know, uh, watching it from someone who grew up on American comedy, you know. Yeah, this. where it's like you're the most clever person in the room. Like the American yeah. comedian is always the most clever person in the room in their sitcom. Usually, even though terrible yeah. things probably will happen, I think yeah. Louis C.K as scandalous as he was his program i think puts him a lot more in that category of someone that's like in between right where he's kind of like the everyman american style but also a lot of that frumpy doormat kind of situation yeah i really like that show too me too that was one of the few that was one of the few positive uh single fathers right on tv like his yeah, thing when really he's making was. the mango, he's like cutting up a mango and he puts one the the rind on a stick to give to one of his kids. The other one's complaining and he's trying to t- say a lesson about like how like he, he's like you shouldn't care about what other people have. You're or, no, you shouldn't care about what you have, but other people need to have things. And it's like it comes out of wrong, but he's trying to explain that like you should be wanting to help other people instead of just being concerned that. There's not a sense of equality here or something yeah. like that. As as, a, yeah. as being a single father as I was for a long time, I related to a whole lot of that show. Yeah. 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 Um, hopefully like not for the masturbating in public stuff. That He didn't do that in the show. No, no. That wasn't the no. character in Louis. He did threaten to do it in the show. I don't remember that. He's like, I'm going to masturbate about you right now. Anyway. <laughs> but should we watch the movie? Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Oh, man, this Ed guy. He's such a character. <laughs> the character is what it is. Right? So the zombie apocalypse has happened, and Sean has got a plan. He needs to win back Liz, fix things with Mom, right? So his plan is to pick up Mom, uh, kill Philip, who has been bitten by a zombie, and uh, pick up Liz and her roommates, and everyone can go and have a couple drinks at the Winchester until it all blows over. Yeah, it's perfect. Because they've got big, big heavy doors. Yep, and deadbolts. And deadbolts. And, and so, a gun. And so you really can see in this how much Ed has just been holding him back so much. Yes, definitely. Because of how much he literally holds back in this. And, I mean, I've seen this so many times... And I, it's hard to 
I mean, you just know there'd be people like this in the zombie apocalypse that would just like basically get everybody killed yeah. for being a dumbass. That's just so weirdly. So like in this case, like at one point, Ed uh, crashes the car so that he can drive the Jaguar uh, that belonged to Philip and then drives it like a bat out of hell, hitting zombies along the way. And that is no. that is Steve's kitty cat purring real loud. <laughs> That's yeah, Iris, baby Iris. Iris, very beautiful. Yeah, it's usually Loki. She's got some Siamese color into her. She's very pretty. Yeah, she's all Siamese. Oh, oh, she's a Siamese kitty. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. So anyway, so Ed is just like he is the problem. Like in all this stuff, all the bad things that happen. Like even the decision to not stay at Liz's apartment. It's because Ed doesn't want to stay there because he won't be able to smoke. Yeah. Even though if I mean, they just... He could have opened a window. So. Yeah. They could have just stayed there. I don't think that guy... That guy's way too uptight to let him smoke even with yeah. the window open. No. Absolutely. But they could have survived a day and then they would yeah. have been fine. But if you can't smoke, what's the point? <laughs> Chum. That's... Yeah. The crazy thing about this movie is they only had to survive for like a day. Yeah. Like the uh, military sweeps in and, you know... Uh, gets rid of the zombies that night. Yes. So they could have just holed up at the uh, place and it, they would have been okay, but Ed yeah. just had to smoke. Yeah, so they have to go uh, on this thing. And then as Ed, Ed takes the long way round to the Winchester so that he can keep driving fast and hitting, hitting zombies. So when they get locked out of the car because Philip has turned into a zombie... They're now in the middle of fucking nowhere, like they're a mile away from where they need to be. They would have already been there in the Winchester had he not decided to drive like a maniac. Yep. Let's let's not forget that Ed got out of the car first. Yes. Everybody was trapped inside the car. He decided to get on his phone and start texting. Yep. And someone else had to open the door. Texting yes. who? Well, his big Shots owl. Is only friend. Oh yeah. It's it, it, big owl. Big yeah. owl says dogs don't look up. Which is also the kind of thing about this sort of friend where it's like, it's his best friend, but he's not, like, he's constantly texting other people while they're together. It's just wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, should we continue? Well, oh. Pete brought up that the only reason why Sean keeps him around is because he makes Sean not appear to be the biggest loser. Yeah, he's like someone and more I pathetic think than a lot you. Of truth that yeah Yeah. i think a lot of people might there's like that fear that wait am i the person that's kept around but that was back when i had depression so i feel much better about myself (laughs) i'm the best around yep yep um but yeah i think that and again like this is this like representation of this prolonged adolescence right right of just like we're gonna be you know sitting on this musky couch like you mentioned um when you had an apartment with my brother Dave, I remember that apartment because there was one clean room in the entire apartment, and that was Dave's room. <laughs> but and I would go, and it's like basically the apartment that Sean's living in is if you and Dave have never left, yeah, and never in, <laughs> and it and it just got smokier and stinkier and grungier the entire time. We actually had. Um beer can towers that would go from the floor to the ceiling mm-hmm. and like the weight from the ceiling and the floor just created these beer pillars yeah like in our kitchen yeah and we did it only 
I don't even know why we started doing it. It was just something funny that we thought was. Yeah, I mean, we kind of have that every because we have to keep all of our empties so that we could um, take them in to get the bottle deposit back. So it does make me feel like when it's bottle deposit day, like it, it gets to over a certain amount and I lose my mind. Yeah. Like it's there's so many bottles and they're everywhere and they're not anywhere except for everywhere on the ground. And it makes me a little crazy. But um, but yeah, so I mean, it's interesting because it's not even that. Yeah, this is it's it's in some ways perfectly acceptable to live your life like this when you're first starting out, when you're first learning things. But then you right. kind of like grow up and learn that it's nice to have a clean house, and or that you grow up, you grow up and you learn that it's nice to have your own space and not have people around you. I don't know, or in this case, not have a dirtbag friend that's always texting and getting yeah, everybody you love killed. Ed isn't really, um, Ed's betrayal is weird in this movie because you're, you're meant to not like him and you're meant to like him all oh, at the yeah. same time. I think that's how Sean views him as well. He doesn't like him and he likes him at the same time. He's yes. familiar. Like he's frustrated like, with him. He loves him because he's his best mate. He's known him since primary school, but at the same time. He's just been, it's easy, it's, but, and again, it's easy just to ignore that thing, and that's a part of the yeah. needing to stand up for yourself aspect that Sean has to learn, is like, yeah. that this is not an acceptable behavior, and in a way, I'm sure that Sean has held Ed back, too. If you think about the house where Ed's the one being blamed for this open door all the time, and it's Sean the one, Sean's the one who leaves the door open, yeah. like a maniac. That would make me but crazy. I think... 99.97% of Ed's faults are Ed's, is Ed's fault. Yes, it's probably <laughs> like, accurate. The door thing being it, but like, look, he doesn't have a job. Yes. He, um, you know, he's constantly on the search for weed. Yes. Uh, the only time you ever see him on his phone is when he's trying to contact I got nothing. To get, no, I got nothing. Yeah. Like, if he's selling weed, that's one thing, and that's not a big deal. It was a big deal when this movie came out. Yeah. Uh, you know, people's viewpoints on marijuana have changed. Yeah. In, you know, nearly 20 years since it's come out. Yeah. Then, Boy. You know, if you sold weed, you were basically no better than selling heroin or meth. Uh, do you think they're going to do a 20th year anniversary edition of this DVD? Yes. I want it. Yes, absolutely. I want it so that's, bad. That's free money. Please them. send it to me, Edgar Wright. I'll rewatch your other I, movies. Maybe this will be the one we get in the ultra high def 4K. Yeah, because this is like we're watching this on like the standard definition DVD that I've had since 2007. I so, think I have one of those laying around the house too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're we're Philip has just died. And um, he's trying to explain to his, and like he has this heart to heart with his stepfather that he's always like had this kind of punkish relationship with. And it was just a really beautiful moment where Philip is saying that, like, I was always hard on you because I know that you loved your dad and you lost your dad, but I just always want to be there for you, which is so sweet. And so Sean has finally realized the importance of this relationship at the end of this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Which is how it goes. And that's going to be how it goes throughout the rest of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, should we go? I have a question for you guys. 
Okay. Okay. Who is worse, Ed or David? David. David. Why? Show me your work. He's purposefully horrible. Ed's just slow. Okay, Stephen? I'd say David. Ed has redeemable qualities, and like uh, John said, Ed's faults are almost... um, he does them unconsciously. Yeah. He doesn't realize what he's doing. David is deliberately, A, trying to steal Sean's girl. Yep. B, second-guessing any type of leadership decision Sean makes. C, yes. point uh, one for that. Uh, and another thing is he is just unnecessarily antagonistic just for the sake of being antagonistic. Yes. Yeah, he's a douche. Um, he also, he's a douche. He's trying to steal Sean's girl. In front of his girlfriend. Yes. And they all live together, so she has to sit there and see this all the time. And how horrible is this guy? Like, he just wants to pick these fights. Like, he, he they get to the Winchester. There's lots of zombies. They almost get in, and they just need to go around the back, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, Ed does something stupid, like he answers his phone. But then David throws the trash can through the window. Even though yeah. they told him not to do that because then they'd be totally exposed. And then the next scene, he's like, oh, we should cover up this window because otherwise we'll be totally exposed. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> it's like, and I, now I should be in charge because he wants to be in a charge in a way that kills Sean. Yeah. 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 He's just a douche. Because it's like, you can have an idiot in your group, but. And every group has one. Every group has one, though the idiot will get you killed. Sometimes, but they're fun. <laughs> but like like a lot of the reasons that they're in trouble is because they will get to kill but like Ed or, but David could have stayed in his apartment like he could have stayed yeah. and the only thing when his girlfriend says like yes I'm with you Sean we're with you Sean he says I'm not going if Lizzie doesn't go of course and yeah. his girlfriend not, is there not Diana's girlfriend goes yeah but you know I think uh, did they mention earlier that uh, Liz and David, there was he shot his shot with her once. Yeah, they mention like, it. They mention it um, in a little bit when Diane is basically saying, "Look, David, like I know okay, that you only yes, wanted right. to be with me because you wanted to be li- with Lizzie, and she shot you, you know that kind of thing." So okay, they do yeah. have an argument about that, um, and so we're about to find out about the bite that Barbara, mommy, dearest, has had. Um, she's she's gonna give Liz one of her necklaces, um, and yeah, it should be good. Every, Spoiler: All of the zombies know they're there John's now. John's having the worst time watching this. By the <laughs> yeah. way, if anybody's wondering how John is doing watching this, it is hell for him it's because just, every five minutes Trish spoils something. Well, and you and I talk about it. It's not just me. Well, it's me doing the spoiling, but you you engage in the conversation, so it's really your fault. John, it's John's fault. He's so it's my fault to... for not watching this more. I think if we could all agree on one thing is this is indeed John's fault. Yes, yeah, that's sure. good. That's good. All right, let's uh, let's watch I'm, this movie. I'm Ed. <laughs> oh, no. No, you're not. No. Oh, okay. Hi. Hi. So we're Hi. an hour 
<laughs> in 23 minutes and 22 seconds in yeah. of this wonderful film. Um, a lot has happened. And I, I guess on this rewatch, I'm thinking a lot about like how they have to get through their interpersonal relationships. But is there, their baggage is basically what gets so many of them killed. Yeah. Right. So we just saw David get killed. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, his douchery gets him killed. Basically, mom gets bitten by a zombie and comes out, which is, by the way, I think it's my grossest corner. Maybe we'll see there the way that her, the gore is on her arm when she pulls it up and shows everybody. But um, when mom dies and everyone's sad, the first thing David does is like cocks the gun saying, all right, we got to shoot her. Mr. Pacifist that was like, hey, I've never, I couldn't do anything like this. And so basically there's a big argument and at the end of it, uh, Sean has to kill his own dead mother. And and then David's a douche that's like, oh, I see, I see what we we did the right thing there. You all did the right thing. And Sean punches him, mm-hmm. which has got to be the most deserved punch in the history of cinema. And oh, yeah, almost... it felt good when he saw it. Yes. Yeah. And he just is like, he grabs the gun. David grabs the gun and tries to kill Sean twice. He, he clicks the, the trigger twice, but he doesn't know how to yep. cock the gun. So then he tries to leave. He unlocks the door, almost leaves, and they try to talk him out of it. So he goes and leans against the window while having an argument, which enthralls the zombies more. They're all having a scream. Everything here is screaming arguments. And then David gets, well, how would you describe it, John? Disemboweled. Disemboweled. Eviscerated. And, and beheaded. And yeah. belegged. Yeah. Drawn and quartered by people. Drawn and quartered, I think, is a better... I think that it reminds me. It reminds me a lot. I think of um, of Day of the Dead, um, which is so, or maybe is the Dawn, Day of the Dead's the one that's in the bunker, right? Or is that Dawn yeah. of the Dead? Yeah. yeah. In Day of Day the of Dead, the we get the person when he's ripped apart, his head comes off too, right? Yeah. And so that kind of yeah. reminded me. But that's also like they talk about this in the in the commentaries and things about this lovingly, um, like om- again, it's like homage, but it's not like this made a lot of sense in the. Thing, but the tension and frustration of this whole group of people that's not going over stuff. Like, we were just talking about Ed being annoying and now David being this creeper. And poor Diane has been in a relationship and she literally says that when she, he, she knows that he only got close to her in college. So it's been 10 years. Yeah. Because he, yeah. he was trying to get close to Liz. She shot him down. And so she knew, Diane knew that she was the second choice. She still loved him, though. Yeah, she still loved him. Um, and she has come to terms. She says, I've come to terms with that, David. Why can't you? And so, I mean, she and you would think that she'd be done with the relationship. But no, she, uh, when, when David goes into pieces, she grabs his leg and she's like, I'm coming to help you, David. Yeah, she's in pieces. His head's gone. But she's lost her mind. So she finishes opening the front door and runs out into the herd of zombies. Yeah, things don't look Using so good David's now. leg as a weapon. Using her leg as a weapon. Now, the DVD co- the DVD has some really great um, plot hole things where it's like plot holes, question mark, and you click on it, and it's got all these really great animations in which Sean, ex- Sean and Diane and all these characters explain the plot holes and how they do things. Um, so you get to see Sean running, for example, away from the zombies and leading them away. And as they come back, um, there's the zombie that sees him go to the back door of the Winchester. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the case with Diane, she realizes really quickly she's made a horrible mistake, climbs up into a tree, and just survives the night. 
in a tree. By eating David's leg. Yeah, she does eat his leg oh. when she gets hungry. But it's like, it's not, I mean, I guess because she's up in the tree longer than the zombie apocalypse lasted. She's probably the most redeemable character. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think there's much wrong with Liz. No. Except that she allows... She just doesn't, Liz doesn't do a whole lot. No. Uh, like the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie. No, I think like, it's... she's barely in the movie. I think, like a background character. I think that Liz gets a little bit more at the very end, but it does seem that the people that need to grow, I mean, it also things that need things that need to come out, right? She needs to admit that David's a shit, right? And that yeah. has because that's the very first scene that talking about how she talks about how bringing her friends, her roommates only exacerbates things about not being mm-hmm. a fun time in their relationship. But the thing right. is that yes, Ed is a shitty person, but like not all bad and irredeemable, but she's got this couple living with her that's toxic as fuck because one of them's in love with her. But it's one of those yeah. things where you can't admit yeah. it. See, Ed's a good yeah, friend. She's, she's living in a house with a guy that's in love with her. Yes, but she's got to like everything, but it's not said, right? It's not out loud until the very end. But they knew. Yes. Like, I mean, it was... It was like everybody knew, nobody said anything. Yeah, because if you say something, then that ruins everything. Yeah. And I think this is one of those things of, like, you can't, like, she wants to be the grown-up. She wants to move forward in her life and her relationships, so she's got to say something. Right? It's got to go forward. So what you're saying is Liz is actually the worst person in this movie. (laughs) No, Um, no, that's still David. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, like, as a woman... I can totally understand when you have, like, a creep like this in your orbit and, like, everything is really about mediating their feelings, even if they're not a romantic partner. If you just have someone like this. So they don't attack you? Yeah, so they don't attack you or so they don't have meltdowns or or they'll push you and push you and push you until you freak out and then you're the bad guy because you freak out. And, like, and, I mean, I've seen people that have abusive partners – like, I have friends that have had abusive partners, and that kind of orbit around them is so terrible, and you want to be there for your friend, but if you say the thing, if you put it out there, especially when you're in your 20s and you don't, and it's harder to be like, no, fuck this, you don't have to accept this. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely right. So what you're saying is is that Liz is not only the worst person in the movie, but she's also a hostage to her 20s because she is in a situation that she could easily extricate herself from. I think a lot of people were hostage to their 20s. I think a lot of people made decisions and got into bad relationships. And people still, at any time of their life, they get into bad relationships at any age. You only be in my 20s. Huh? I had a few bad relationships. Yeah. And and they last a lot longer than they need to because it's harder to say no to something. You know, it's harder to like to really lay out what is wrong about this and why you don't want it, especially when you have someone like David, like twisting words around yeah. all the time. But you're also still your body is still dumping out all those hormones. Yes. So you're still an idiot. Yes. You know, like you're still your your body and your body chemistry still leads you. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. You know, so like it's. If you're like, if you're a guy, you're all, you're wondering why this woman doesn't like you. Yeah. And, you know, she wants to be your friend. So clearly she wants you. 
Yeah. And it's just a matter of time. You just have to bide in your time. And why does she only, why does she only date like Chad's? I'm a nice guy. I'm such a nice guy. (laughs) I know. It's like she's dating someone like Sean when she could be with me. And yeah, it's interesting. What do you think, John? Yeah. Bonk, bonk. I pull on John's beard every time I make that sound. Um, Should we keep going? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's go. It's such a movie. It's so good. So everything goes nuts, of course. Um, And Sean, Ed, and Liz are all that's left. Then... uh, Sean, they they light this. Uh, they light the bar on fire, but they leave the the bullets on top of the bar. Things go popping everywhere. Um, there is, like Ed gets bitten uh, at the door, and there at the door is roommate. roommate yeah, naked Pete roommate. Pete. 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 That's Pete. right. Yes, Pete. So there's the roommate Pete uh, in his naked glory, uh, and. Uh, uh yeah they go down sorry i just totally phased out for a second uh they go down at so basically in the bar there is an entrance to the cellar where it's where the kegs are and stuff like that so mm-hmm. they go down uh ed joins them covered in blood about to die and uh yeah they almost die but they don't no they survive well well we got to see the glorification of cigarettes <laughs> yeah. From yes. <laughs> the glorification of cigarettes is that Liz has snuck two cigarettes that are still in perfect working order. I don't know where she hid them this whole time because she's wearing tight They're clothes. Just in her pocket. They're in her pocket, in her tight jeans pocket. But she pulls them out and he calls her a sneaky little monkey. Well, in, in England, all cigarettes come in boxes, so they wouldn't have been crushed. Oh my God! No, they don't. They come in packs. Yeah, they're hard pack. No, they're not. Yeah, soft packs no, only exist in the United States. No, England. there's soft packs in England. I don't yeah. think so. There, yeah. used, there wasn't before. Well, when I was in England, they had soft packs. Well, and they have cardboard yeah. packs, too. Yeah, the cardboard ones. It's were not the... very hard. Cardboard cigarettes are not hard. Anyway, yeah, so... I, I got the soft packs in England. Yeah. Um, so, any ca- in any case, though, um, we... <laughs> Simon, or Sean, picks up um, the cigarette. He, he lights it. And he can see when he lights the cigarette, uh, they see the buttons that will let them out of the basement. And so this is the glorification of cigarette. If she, if Liz hadn't have snuck the cigarettes, because they're supposed to be trying to quit smoking together, she hadn't have snuck the cigarettes, and they would not have been able to get out of there. Well, Smoking's soft packs. People can't find them in the UK. Well, is but a cardboard pack is not hard. It would it's crush hard. in no, your pocket. No, I've, I was a smoker for years. If you put, I used to always come home drunk, sleep in my jeans, and pull my cigarettes out of my pants, and they'd still be fine. Oh my god! If I had a hard pack. Oh my god! I just. Which is why I always bought a hard pack. I doubt so many things, but in any (laughs) case, I'm glad that you're decided to argue about this. But uh, I would also like to point out that her pockets probably have about two inches of clearance because she's wearing women's jeans. She has pockets. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. So anyway, um, uh, so they go up and they're about to fight to the death, and then. Da, 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 the military comes and kills all the zombies. And Sean's friend from before that he met that already had just purchased a house 
and yeah. all the stuff. So she's like grown up, you know, yeah. when uh, we got to see her and she and her party passed Sean and his party, they all have kind of the same people, but opposite or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so her party's all alive and they all still have the same weapons. Yeah, they made it just fine. Yeah. They made it just fine because she made all the right choices. She doesn't have any red on her. She doesn't have any red on her. Her hair is perfect. She didn't go to a damn bar to survive. Uh-huh. No, she, she didn't go to the bar else. to survive. But all of her decisions, it seems clear like the dirtbag cousin that's in the back, she didn't allow the dirtbag cousin to like make any choices. <laughs> <laughs> like to help lead yeah. to things, right? Um, he was part of it, but he got to be a part of the party. But yeah, it's a thing, it's survive. And then we get the last scene where the house is now, they're still living in the same house that uh, that uh, that Sean was living in, which is now cleaned up. It's been painted in parts of it. There's like nice altar to their dead family. Um, and, uh, and now they are talking about what they're going to do on a nice Sunday or whatever, or Saturday. And, uh, they're just going to have a cup of tea, Liz and Sean. They're going to Winchester. They're actually going to the pub. They're going to play some video games with this friend. Yeah. Well, and she says that, and then pop around to the Winchester after they eat some brunch or whatever. And as a good time. Now, of course, it's new ownership because the owners are dead. Yeah. And he, he pops out in the garden and he has trained... Uh, Ed, the zombie, to be his video game buddy in a shed in the back. Yeah. Which is probably pretty close to the life he was living then, just without the chain. And yeah, it's a lot easier to feed him. doesn't like Cornettos well, anymore. Well, it's a callback to what Pete was saying. If you want to be such an animal, why don't you go live in the shed? Yeah, yeah go live he in the shed. He said that to him at the very beginning of the yeah. movie. Yeah, and there's something about those callbacks in this movie that are not... They're deliberate, obviously, but they don't seem as forced in a way where everything, it comes right. back to the circle in a way that's really enjoyable. Yeah. I really like it. What do you think, John? Yeah, it's a good one. Was it fun even though I kept spoiling everything? Yeah. You've seen it before. I Yeah, a long time ago. I'll, I'll say some of Sacrilege to you, but I still like Tucker and Dale better. I mean, Tucker and Dale is a wonderful <laughs> movie. Yeah. Tucker and Dale's a wonderful that's a movie. movie, but that's not Shaun of the Dead. It's oh. also doing something different, but I think it probably. Let me finish. I have a, I have a theory. I think it's because it Tucker and Dale versus Evil is to eighties uh, like camp slasher yeah. movies as to what zombies is, and you your favorite genre of horror is eighties camp genre or yeah, camp 80s, slasher. Eighties slasher movies. Yeah. So it, it is targeting oh, my sense, my, my wheelhouse. Yeah, and I think for me, Shaun of the Dead. Felt like a horror movie, not like made for me personally, but it, there's something very comforting about a horror movie that it's all about the relationships that are happening and that there are female characters that are important. And not that other horror movies don't have it, but there's something about it that because it's a zombie rom com, a zom rom com. That's what they call it. They created a genre for this. Well, Idle Hands would have fallen into that. It's like my exact style. Idle Hands would have fallen into that, that genre. Funny. Idle Hands? I haven't seen it in a long time. Idle Hands is pretty funny. But that would have been a zombie rom-com, too. But Devin Sawa was like 18 in that. I think I like that they're Green older. Seth was so funny in that, yeah? though. Yeah. I, I don't, oh, yeah, because he's the dead guy. Seth Green and Buzz from Home Alone, I believe, was the other guy. Yeah. I think so. Well, Steve, uh, we thank you very much. For watching this wonderful film with us. Do you, oh, yeah. do you have any parting wisdom for us? I, I mentioned it while we were watching, but the ending of this movie 
me I love because it shows the military being the military and going in and killing, doing what they are great at doing is killing. Yep. Like in every other zombie apocalypse we've ever seen, the military forgets how to military. Yeah. And like gets overrun, even though we are at this point in time living in the most highly trained uh, soldiers in our military in all of human history. Exactly. At no other point. Have we had a military where each individual soldier is as trained as they are? And yet, whenever we get into these zombie apocalypses, they all either turn evil yeah. or they forget how to shoot a gun. And they get overrun almost immediately. And so, Sean and Dennis just like, yeah, it took them about 10 hours yeah. to get together. And they turned it around and they, they just mopped the floor. Well, and the implication like, that they were only in that part of the a neighborhood because they heard that there might be survivors in the Winchester. Because I think that yeah. it's clear that, like, the the friend that they passed said, hey, I did run into a group of people that were going to this building to be safe, and they went there to collect any survivors because they heard yeah. there might be survivors, but everywhere else there was... I mean, it's not... I mean, because the clever thing to do would not be to go one way forward. You would go out where you think there's survivors, clear out an area then come back and regroup and then like target certain areas and not necessarily well, go sweep. Yeah. Sweep and clear. Yeah. Um, but remember, like it, this was actually put to me a while, a long time ago, but a zombie, especially Romero zombies are people with the one thing that puts us on top of the food chain taken away. Yeah. Our ability to think. Yeah. And so, a person like just think about any time any other type of predator has encroached on our territory we've always even indirectly made it extinct how do you think people would react after the initial shock was over of you know zombies running around but hey guess what they're not especially dangerous they're extremely slow very stupid in fact you can trick them into believing that they are you yeah. If you walk yeah. like them. Yeah. Like, so um, I love the ending of this. It was just, you know, this is how it is. You know, we're just going to, the military comes in, it's going to kill everything. Everything's going to go back to some semblance of yeah. order. And the end. I love that ending. Well, it's, it's also it's like good. everything about this is the order that's required to to really move on, right? To be able to survive or to be able to go into that adulthood. And a part of that is recognizing that, yeah, the right thing to do would be to go to that military complex that that lady had said. Um, That would have been the right thing to do. And also, even in his relationship, right? Now, Liz has kind of chilled out a little bit about certain things, but they also don't have the external stresses of their friend groups. And kind of recognizing when the Winchester is not all you have to do, it can be very pleasant. But really, after three years, they should have been living together. Right? Well, it's it's also that um, one of Liz's things was she wanted to get out and do things. She wanted to see the world or, you know, that stuff. And then it's a perfect example of, like, basically how at the end of Lord of the Rings, the uh, hobbits went back to the Shire. Yeah. Like, they didn't want any more adventures. And um, that's how uh, Liz is now. Like she had her adventure. She does it. She wants to chill. Well, also, you know, I get like, the feeling that 
they it's been a while since all this stuff has happened because it's like all the things on television. It was six months. Yeah, six months, months later. And so they could have also done a lot of stuff since then. You know, they could maybe they go out on vacation. Maybe they went on a couple of vacations. Maybe they did all kinds of things. And now on a regular Saturday, you go do the fun, you know, the chilling thing. Right. You know, like yeah. something that's more pleasurable. But all right, Steve, well, we're going to have to let you go. Because we have to watch okay. a... Uh, oh, wait, before we go, actually, before I let you go, what is your grossest corner? For me? Oh, yeah. it was uh, David being ripped apart. Oh, so not just David in general, but him being uh, ripped apart? Yeah, it, it was both my favorite and grossest one. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to agree. That oh, was yeah? what I was thinking, yeah. So for me, having seen this movie a million times, my grossest corner is almost always the same. And it's when, so the mother, when she gets bitten, is hiding it. And she, but she does this like grandma thing of putting tissues in her sleeve. And when she pulls the t- her, the sleeve and tissue back the first time, and you can just see all that gore has like dried to the tissue. And it just pulls back and seeing that, it's so disgusting. And for me, even though seeing David getting ripped, I think I'm too, I'm too happy to see David get ripped apart. To find it a grossest corner. Uh-huh. But, you know, I mean, even though, like, the stuff that they bring out of him is pretty wild. They use real animal products, I think, uh, which is pretty remarkable. I think the other runner-up for a grossest corner would be the glorification of that cigarette. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> terrible. It's so terrible. Um, how about a Brewers Brewers? I was just drinking pastry stout that you made, John. Yeah, I, I was going one. through a variety of bells. Bells, bells, bells. The ringing yes. and the clinging of the bells, 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 from bells, the, bells, bells. From the box of hearts. You guys get that reference? No. no. It's Edgar Allan Poe's. Ah. Uh, the I, bells. I wasn't an emo teen. There's so. Se- I didn't memorize Poe. You didn't memorize Poe? I thought you liked Edgar Allan Poe. I did. I was just trying to take a dig. Oh, boy. <laughs> For a second there, I thought you lied to fa- make me fall in love with you. I'm like, oh, you like Tiger Allen Poe too? <laughs> and now it's like the the tables have they turned. All right, Steve, we love you. Bye. All right. Good night. I'll take care. <laughs> Bye. Now that Brother Steve is gone. Yeah, we have one more point of business. We have one more point of business. Something that we did not do last time, which was last night. Well, that's because I thought you knew it so well it wouldn't be worth it going over the trailer. No, no. I mean, though, that would be kind of would have been kind of fun to watch, but I'm sure we'll revisit Shaun of the Dead eventually. But what is, what are we doing here? Well, for next week, we are going back to the uh, Metacritic's best horror movies of all time. Uh-huh. And we're getting one that I knew nothing about. The Werkmeister, I guess it's probably Werkmeister Harmonies. Werkmeister Harmonies from 2001. It's from Hungary. It has some of the most insane ratings as yeah. far as reviews. Okay. It has an 8.1 on IMDb, Damn a 98% it. on Rotten Tomatoes, and a wow. 92 on Metacritic. But the gross revenue was $25,000. It's from Hungary. From February 1st, 2001. And the only place I've been able to find it streaming is YouTube. And I hope it's not an illegal stream, and I hope it'll still be there next week. Yes. But for now, we will watch the trailer. Trailer! On Bing? That's on YouTube. Okay. I'll ask that you step with me into the boundlessness where constancy, quietude, and peace, infinite emptiness reign. 
there's some people walking around at night in what looks like an old factory district. It's black and white. Yeah. Achieves a transcendent and ethereal beauty that only a few great masterpieces attain. Entrancing. Apparently it's going to get a, a permanent place in our minds. Oh, apparently. I mean, this seems so well-loved. Mysterious, like, poetic, and elusive. This, there's a fellow walking towards something that kind of looks like a Trojan horse. The mysterious unknown plagues are here. Uh-oh. This is a two-minute trailer. We got people well, next to fires, some old-timey people. It's got Lars Rudolph. We got a group of villagers. Oh, people are ransacking houses. We got this weird guy, the younger guy, who's probably the main yeah, character. Old people with guns. It seems so universally loved. That's. Is this gonna be like a where everyone has to kill themselves because they all have horrible disease? I know nothing about it. I didn't want to go into any spoilers. Everyone's just standing there creepily. Loki's gonna come and knock everything over. Oh no! People fell off their beds. Everyone's so mad and like pushing people. Yeah, there's no real context Loki, to please this don't step on the computer and the microphone at the same time. Well, I'm guessing this guy with the Beatles haircut and re- is the main character. Yeah, that seems There's fun. a helicopter chasing him. He's not running very fast. Oh, what the hell? It's an animatronic creature? I don't know if anything would be maybe a for animatronics in this. No. Workmeister Harmonok. Now available on DVD. Well, that's going to be fun. That's, yeah. Well, it looks very dark. Well, the best part about that uh, Workmeister Harmonies is that um, we'll totally forget everything about the trailer because we're not going to watch it for two weeks. Yeah. It will hopefully come out on time. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. All right. Well, there's just two things left to do, husband. Uh, Stay scared. And stay married. Goodbye. Intro and outro of our podcast is Fire and Ice Rock Mix by Stefan Kartenberg. Copyright 2017. Licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. Thank you, Stefan.